Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus back in on fixed income as we will reflect on the recent movement of rates and explain why the momentum is poised for a shift as we look towards the fall. Uh, Joining me here on the line for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Leslie Falconio, Senior Fixed Income Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Leslie, good morning. Welcome back and looking forward to our conversation today. Good morning, Dan. Thanks very much. Absolutely. Now, Leslie, I know our conversation will tie into the latest fixed income strategist publication. I know you run lead on that. Title is The Waiting Game for the month of August. And Leslie, I know within you reference a quote from Fed Chair Jerome Powell from the July meeting. It was interesting where he essentially conveys that there really is no consensus as to the explanation for the downward momentum in rates, which has occurred over the course of a month. When I say a month, I'm referencing referencing June to July, that time frame. So I'm curious, Leslie, what's your take? Is the movement overdone? Yeah, I mean, you know, that was it was actually a very interesting answer to the question. I think I didn't think very many people expected that, but you know, at the end of the day, I you know, we don't disagree with his assessment that, you know, there wasn't any true fundamental factors within the US that would push the 10-year treasury yield down by 40 basis points in such a short period of time. Now, as we know, there's been, you know, uh intermittent sort of growth scares, particularly overseas, which which started this downward trend in Treasury yields, which started in Europe, transferred over to the U.S., and the momentum kept building a bit. And when, when I say kept building is that even though some most of the numbers were strong, you know, we did have concern about the Delta variant. And most importantly, what we saw in this decline in yields in such a short period of time was this technical in the sense of poor positioning, you know, you know, and uh, lack of supply, you know, the August sort of summer seasonal doldrums that we had July and August. So a lot of this was something that was not expected and that he couldn't explain. Now, when we think about, you know, what we think going forward, and I know, Dan, you and I will speak about this, is that, listen, there's no question that a lot will pertain to how material or if it is a material impact that this Delta variant might have on overall growth. And it's not our expectation that it will. And one of the reasons why we, you know, titled the strategist as the waiting game, because it's still our outlook that interest rates will rise, you know, into the end of the year based on strong jobs report. And you just have to sort of wait it out to get through some of these technicals that we're seeing in the marketplace. So to that point, Leslie, again, to reiterate, you do maintain your outlook for rates to start rising as we head into the fall. So what, in your view, will drive that move in rates higher? And what are the risk factors that could serve as disruptors to that outlook, Leslie? Well, the first start, let's first start with the risk factors. There's no question that, that the biggest risk factor is the potential the impact might have, that COVID or the Delta variant might have, if, in fact, you know, we have these intermittent shutdowns or, you know, there's, you know, kids don't go back to school in the fall. Those things are definitely these short-term type of risk factors. You know, overall, we're not seeing a material impact on, you know, these these pockets of vulnerability that we're seeing, and we don't expect to see that, but that's the biggest risk. You know, overall, in terms of our expectation, why we think interest rates will rise, was that one is that the market has just gotten a little bit ahead of itself in terms of paying too much attention on the change in growth versus the absolute level, meaning that the level of growth, even though peak growth is in the second quarter, the absolute level of growth still remains very strong. 
also combined with the fact that, you know, as we saw in the recent jobs number, and it's our expectation that these jobs reports will remain strong as we seasonally adjust, as, you know, these employment subsidies, you know, expire, and people do, you know, hopefully get back to work in the fall as kids go back to school, you know, we'll have this rise. So we do think that, you know, the market adjustment that we've seen and the expectation from the market via the Fed, thinking that they're not going, they're only going to hike, you know, four times and then be done, you know, is much too low of an expectation. So we think interest rates rise as we get better, you know, employment growth, obviously, has still reached its peak, but it's going to be strong. So we look for that, like, probably close to that 175 10-year yield that was a March high as we head into the end of the year. And we wait for things like Jackson Hole and the potential pre-announcement to taper, which we don't think starts until the first quarter of 2022. Okay, so now that we have that outlook in mind, perhaps we can rewind to where we are today. So reflecting on the recent move in rates, Leslie, how has return been impacted during this stretch? And what should fixed income investors really be mindful of right now? Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen, we've definitely saw about an about face, if you will, because as yields declined, you know, by, you know, 40 basis points and, you know, almost, you know, 60, 70 basis points from the high that we saw in March, you know, that headwind of interest rates turned into a tailwind for those asset classes that are very sensitive, such as investment grade corporates. So when you see things like investment grade corporates, you know, the total return, you know, year to date turned positive for a period of time, but that's because rates dropped so quickly. Given our view that interest rates will rise, and more than more than likely, you're going to see an increase in volatility, which unfortunately, you know, we saw from June to July. I don't think that's going to abate. There's a lot, you know, that the market's going to be focused on in terms of this this latter part of the year, whether it's taper, you know, looking at the employment data, you know, try, you know, the Delta variant. So volatility is going to continue, and, and investors need to, you know, sort of embrace for that kind of volatility. And with that said, we might see some some widening in spreads, nothing that is too overly material. You might see some widening, you know, in credit spreads, but the biggest driver of returns over the next part half and next rest of the year will be interest rates. In our view, given that we think interest rates are going to rise, it's going to be a headwind to total return. So when we think about how we want to be positioned, like some things like senior loans, which had, you know, a bit of difficulty in July. It didn't do, you know, incredibly poorly, but it is a political rate asset. And given that interest rates fell the magnitude that they did, the, you know, huge amount of inflows that we've seen to the sector took a bit of a pause. And, and you know, again, simply because the rates were, were coming down, small widening and spreads, we think that, that that's going to reverse and go back to this, what do we want to label this, you know, you know, reflation, if you will, allocation, meaning that rates will rise and people go back into floating rate. The strength of the fundamentals will help the credit. The second thing that we still like is in the commercial, more in the CMBS market, and both senior loans and CMBS are part of that "quote unquote" you know inflation type um, allocation because those traditional asset classes such as tips that are have are really just the real yield, and given that we saw real yields at historic lows are very, very expensive. So we go to the barbell of senior loans and CMBS. Obviously, we're watching things in terms of Delta variant when it comes to commercial real estate, there's office space, whether there's intermittent shutdowns. But that's continued to sort of be a BAR view going forward in terms of 
the most prudent risk-reward. So higher rates, improving economic growth, of course, we will all be mindful of those risk factors you had highlighted for us, Leslie. How are you recommending that fixed-income investors allocate right now as we begin to head into the fall? You know, what we consider the status quo of our longer-term outlook, even though we've seen these pockets of vulnerability that we just, just don't think will last. And so with that said, we still have that barbell. We still think interest rates rise. You know, we still believe that, you know, things like we have a least preferred investment grade corporates, you know, particularly now, because they benefited. Remember, the benefit was because of the decline in interest rates. Now, as interest rates, as we sit today at, you know, a 135% 10-year yield, you know, investment grade corporates' year-to-date returns are back to being negative, right? You were positive two weeks ago because the 10-year yields went to 112. Now there are 1.35% their year-to-day return is back to negative again. So that's why, you know, the the true driver of total returns for the remainder of the year will be this change in nominal treasuries. And because we believe that interest rates will rise as growth picks up, you really want to try and avoid sectors that have very long embedded interest rate risk unless it's used as a hedge or unless you have it in combination with other, other sectors such as a floating rate, you know, as senior loans. That gives you the type of variable strategy and mitigates the potential rise in interest rates, but also can protect you if, hypothetically, the variant turns out to be, you know, more of a growth dampener than what we're expecting and yields continue around this area or lower, you still have some of that longer end, like a CMBS, you know, which has a bit of, you know, a little bit more interest rate risk to protect you on the downside. So that's, that's been our allocation. You know, our outlook hasn't changed. You know, we don't think that this, this move that we've seen in tenure yields from June and July will, will last, as we're seeing right now. But the biggest risk, of course, will be the variant. Well, Leslie, appreciate you joining us for some clarity on the current environment and what we've been witnessing. And it's very helpful to have a roadmap of sorts for where we're going and how to position accordingly. So thank you, Leslie, as always, for your insights. And we'll look forward to picking back up with the conversation again soon. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Thank you, Leslie. And again, today we've been joined by Leslie Falconio, Senior Fixed Income Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including the publication which Leslie has been making reference to during the course of our conversation today, the Fixed Income Strategist publication. Again, it's a monthly publication. A title for the month of August is The Waiting Game. So for clients of UBS, you can contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about today's topics or if you would like to receive a copy of any of the publications or blogs directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.